So it may seem on the surface, obviously, that the current New York fraud trial that Donald Trump is facing has absolutely nothing to do with any of the other criminal trials that Donald Trump still has pending, right? I mean, there's really no connection between the Stormy Daniels case in New York. There's not much connection, obviously, to the documents case, and there's probably no connection to the Georgia or the federal January 6 cases, right? Well, apparently there is something that was introduced in the New York fraud trial last week that could be used by prosecutors in both Georgia and special prosecutor Jack Smith's office to make the case that Donald Trump did in fact know that he lost the 2020 presidential election. And this tiny piece of evidence that honestly really doesn't matter much to the fraud trial was a document where Donald Trump restored himself as the main trustee of the Trump organization. Because of course, when he became president, he switched it over to where he was not the main trustee. But on January 15th of the year, 2021, while Donald Trump still had five days left in office, he restored himself as the main trustee of the Trump organization, which means Donald Trump knew on January 15th of 2021, that in five days, he wasn't going to be the president anymore because he had in fact lost the presidential election. So legal experts have of course jumped on this and they say, look, this is actually pretty strong evidence for Jack Smith to use to show, Hey, look, Trump knew he wasn't going to be the winner. So he put himself back in charge of his own company. Fonnie Willis could use it over in Georgia to say, look, he's interfering in our elections, claiming the election was stolen, but he knew the whole time that that wasn't true. That's what the legal experts are saying, right? There's been a couple articles out there saying, Oh, wow, this is a big deal. Um, going to have to disagree guys. The document is of course dated January 15th, 2021. Donald Trump was still president of the United States at the time. And yeah, signing the document is a good indication, restoring yourself as trustee that you knew in five days, you weren't going to be the president anymore. But is this really the smoking gun piece of evidence that a lot of these writers and legal experts are trying to make it out to be? No, it's not. Unfortunately, because again, this happened on January 15th, nine days prior to that, Congress had already certified the electoral college results, meaning that no matter what president Biden was about to be, well, president elect Biden was about to become president Biden and Trump couldn't stop it. So he could still maintain if this document is brought up in any of those trials, his legal team could easily counter that by saying, look at the date on it, right? The, the electoral college had already been certified wrongly. So, but it was still certified. So of course he's going to give himself his company back because he knew at that point, because of the certification, he couldn't stop it at that point. He couldn't, he couldn't get all the fraud, you know, whatever it is there that's easy to overcome in court for the defense lawyers. Uh, even as incompetent by the way, as Donald Trump's defense lawyers seem to be, they could probably overcome that. So we'd like to think that this is a smoking gun piece of evidence, but it really isn't. Um, and, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news on that, but I also don't want to give you false hope. 
I think the prosecutors already have enough as it is. They don't need a document like this to be a gotcha moment for Donald Trump. But in terms of, you know, nails in the coffin, this ain't it. So it's nice to think, but unfortunately, legally speaking, this document really doesn't prove much at all. Donald Trump has decided that he's going to make a second attempt, you know, to start an online university because apparently the first attempt just went so well for him so well that he had to pay out $25 million in the fraud lawsuits brought against him with Trump university. But he made an announcement last week in a video posted on truth social saying that if he is elected president of the United States, he is going to start something called the American Academy. And the American Academy, Trump says, is going to be a a school. It's online. It's college. You can get the equivalent, it says, of a bachelor's degree. The equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Not a bachelor's degree, but, you know, something that some people may look at and be like, ah, it's roughly the same, right? So you're going to get some kind of certificate. Um, He said there's going to be no wokeism and they're not going to teach jihadism. So... You know, if, if you're currently enrolled in jihadism classes or wokeness classes, you're not going to be able to take that at the American Academy. Uh, he said, it's not going to run on tax dollars. They're going to get the money for it because he's going to set this up federally. Okay. This, this is not a private business venture. No, 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 no. He is going to have the United States set this up and, uh, it's, it's going to be funded by taxing, fining and suing excessively large private university endowments. So that's a direct quote, by the way, he's going to, he's going to sue other colleges. We don't know what for yet, right? Like he's just, I'm just going to file lawsuits against them and then I'm going to win all this money. And then all the money, I'm not going to keep it. The money is going to go to fund this new scam university that a second term president Trump is apparently going to, going to create. Um, he said, quote, We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. There will be no wokeness or jihadism allowed, but it will be strictly non-political, he says. So, I I I guess no political science majors there, so that's going to be a little disappointing. Um, (laughs) Again, this is not a private business venture. You know, so it's not just another big grift on a bunch of unsuspecting rubes out there. No, no, no. This would be a government run, maybe. Well, he actually says the government's not going to run it. They don't know who's going to run it, but it's definitely going to be somebody from the private sector because, you know, private sector folks have done so well with private online universities. It's not like it's just kind of one big, uh, you know, pyramid scheme out there. Totally not a thing that happened, right? Um, we have had so many, by the way, uh, private online universities sued in the last decade that it's absolutely amazing that any of these things are even still able to exist. Trump himself, of course, was one of them because while running Trump university, they weren't actually teaching students anything. It was basically just real estate seminars. It's why he got sued and it's why they paid out $25 million. Trump has proven that he cannot run a college, that he should not be trusted. 
to run a college. And yet here he is knowing his history, putting out a video and promising to his idiotic cult members that by God, you put it back into the white house. We're getting Trump university 2.0 that again will be funded by suing other universities. Don't know what for yet, but he's totally going to sue them. And this is totally not a scam. Somehow I doubt that. During a speech on the House floor last week, Lauren Boebert decided to blame the government for the fact that her restaurant, Shooter's Bar and Grill, was shut down last year. Now, Lauren Boebert was trying to give an impassioned speech against the Bureau of Land Management that she says is just out there taking uh, land away from the fossil fuel developers in this country. So Boebert somehow, some way tied that into her restaurant and blamed the government for shutting down her restaurant indirectly, of course, right? They didn't come in and say, you got to shut down, but indirectly the Bureau of Land Management and by extension, the federal government, of course, shut down Shooter's Bar and Grill. Here's what she said. Colorado's West Slope used to have a booming energy production economy. Unfortunately, we've been regulated into poverty in Colorado's third district. I remember when I owned a small business, roughnecks used to come into my restaurant and I knew it was going to be a good, successful, profitable day because I had mud on my floor to clean up. But through regulations, there was no more mud to clean up on nearly any of our business floors and many businesses shuttered forever. So your argument about your restaurant is, Hey, I knew it was going to be a good day because this place was dirty as hell. And then some days after, you know, they shut everything down, we'd come in and the place would be clean. Can you imagine folks who wants to walk into a clean restaurant? What kind of psycho would say, Ooh, I'm not eating here. This place is too clean. Give me a place with mud on the floor. Lauren, I, I think we're kind of getting to the heart of why your restaurant was such a failure. If you were just leaving mud on the floor and getting angry when things were clean, um, I, I think I think we're really hitting the nail on the head there. The restaurant should always be clean. There shouldn't be mud on the floor for more than a few moments before a server, a busser, a host, a bartender, whoever it is, a manager goes over, cleans it up real quick. Also, you shouldn't describe your clientele as roughnecks. Probably not exactly the kind of thing that screams, bring your kids in here, you know, to sit next to the roughneck at the bar. Also, this story is completely false, Lauren. If your story were to be believed, then it would have to be pretty much everything in Colorado's third district that shut down, but it didn't. Your restaurant was shut down partially because there was a lot of negative stories out there. But most importantly, the biggest reason that you yourself admitted a year ago, year and a half ago, almost was that your landlord simply decided not to renew the lease. So you just, you just closed up shop. You didn't try to move it somewhere else. You just said, all right, screw it. We're done. 
that that's what happened. That's what shut your restaurant down. There's actually a restaurant that's in there now that seems to be doing pretty well. So it wasn't the government that caused people to leave town that caused your restaurant to shut down. It was your own landlord that you admitted in June of 2022, wasn't going to renew your lease. Therefore it was over. But that also brings me to something I've been thinking a lot about recently. I actually wanted to do a whole segment on this, but it actually ties in nicely here. What does Lauren Boebert do if she loses Congress next year? She doesn't have a restaurant anymore, so she doesn't have a day job. She doesn't have a way to make money. So if Lauren Boebert loses her race next year, which it, uh, another article came out, you know, a day or two ago saying how even more voters in her district are still getting pissed off about the Beetlejuice thing, even after I had talked about that a couple days prior to. So her district is still reeling from her Beetlejuice antics. Her opponent is gaining on her tremendously for the Republican primary. She's going to be out of a job next year, most likely. Like all signs right now are pointing to Lauren Boebert not having a job. So what does she do? Well, you're probably going to get alimony from your husband, but we know you're already dating. So the prospect of you getting that alimony for a very long time, that doesn't seem like a viable option. You don't have a restaurant, so you're not going to have that job. You're, you're basically a universally despised figure in Washington, DC. So you're not exactly going to get a job as a lobbyist. You're not going to get a job on Fox news or Newsmax because let's face it. You don't have the wherewithal to go out there and talk intelligibly about the news of the day, which, you know, there've been plenty of Republican lawmakers leave office. They go to Fox, they go to Newsmax, they go wherever. Bobert's not going to have those options. So I'm, I'm not kidding when I say like, what does she do? How does Lauren Bobert get money? Is she going to have to go and like work a regular job, like a nine to five? Somebody walks into Starbucks and it's Lauren Bobert making their mochaccino. Maybe. I mean, you're going to have to do something, right? You got grandkids to support now. So that's why Congress is such a big deal for her. She loses this. She loses everything. But it's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. I'm not going to shed a tear at all for her. Absolutely not. And I think about it too, like other people that have been in Lauren Boebert's position, right? Sarah Palin. Well, Fox news tried to make Sarah Palin a thing. It didn't work for them. Sarah Palin tried to do the reality show thing and it failed in spectacular fashion. Same thing with Christine O'Donnell, right? Christine, I'm not a witch O'Donnell. She ended up starting a super PAC that kind of fizzled out a little bit based on the research I've done on that. Cause I did, you know, I put some effort into this, a lot of it, looking at what these people are doing, Madison Cawthorn, right? Republican firebrand. What the hell's he doing now? Bobert's going to be one of those people who like two years from now, you're going to hear somebody say her name. You'd be like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot about her. She is about to fade off into obscurity. She's got no prospects. She's got really no hope of winning re-election. Her life is crumbling down around her. And the best she can do is go on the House floor and blame the government for the fact that her landlord didn't want her idiotic gun-themed restaurant to be in his building anymore. So there's a lot of weird wacky developments, I guess you would call them, happening with Ivanka Trump's pending testimony 
in front of the uh, judge in the New York fraud trial. Now, last week, of course, she was supposed to testify on Friday, but then she was like, hey, judge, I, I get schedule conflict. Like Friday is no good for me. Judge was like, cool. All right, fine. I'll, you can come on November 8th. And then after the judge gave her till November 8th, she's like, oh, by the way, I'm also going to appeal your ruling that says I have to testify. Um, so I'm probably not going to testify at all. And then the appellate court didn't even want to hear the case. Like, yeah, that totally, we are not going to do it. We're not going to change this. You're going to testify. So she's like, well, I'm going to appeal that. But in between all this, the judge was asked by Ivanka Trump's legal team, judge, can you please just not just pause her testimony? Um, we're going to need you to just pause the trial. We want you to just stop the whole thing while we work through this. You know, if you're not going to stop the whole thing, then just put a stay on her testimony. But for now, judge, just pause it all. They actually wanted the judge to just stop the whole damn thing while Ivanka figures out her schedule. And the judge was like, I absolutely not. That's not a thing that's going to happen. And then her lawyers told the judge, listen, you want her to come in on November 8th, right? Wednesday. We got to be honest. Uh, it's a school night and it's just too hard for her. It would create an undue or what was the actual, an undue hardship on her. If you make her come in, in the middle of a school week, you know, it's, it's a school night. Ivanka can't do this. She can't go to New York on a Wednesday. Are you mad? She's got three kids, you know, they literally tried to argue that Ivanka Trump could not testify on a school night. Now, listen, I get it. I've got kids too. And I know how hard it is. Like when I have to go out of town and then my wife has to do a hundred percent of things, it's very difficult for her, but she manages and she does a wonderful job of it. And when I'm here, we're back to splitting things. She's gone out of town. I've had to handle things. We, we work it out. It gets done. You know why? Because we're a partnership. Now, Ivanka Trump is not a single mother. Ivanka Trump also has, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars. But most importantly, she has a husband. So my question, and I'm kind of shocked that the judge didn't bring this up, is like, okay, it's a school night. You got to get your kids ready. You got to make your know, bath times done. You got to make lunches for the morning, whatever it is, lay out the clothes, make sure the laundry's done, all that, feed the dogs, put the cats out. Um, question though, where's Jared? You know, your husband, Jared Kushner, uh, why can't he do anything? Why can't he cover for you for one day? Cause we know you're going to take a private jet to fly up here and then fly back. So it's literally, it's like one day, maybe two days at most. So why can't your husband fill, you know, fill in, take a hundred percent of the role for, for a day or two? What's, what's wrong with Jared? Is he not good with kids? Is he an absentee father? What's going on there, Ivanka? Why don't you explain that to us? That is what the judge should have done. Cause again, people have to do that all the time, whether it's, you know, one, one partner having to travel for work or, you know, whatever it is. They have to do these things and they can't just be like, ah, it's a school night. Sorry, boss. Can't make it happen. A person like me or you watching this video, if we get summoned to go, you know, have to testify in court, we can't be like, judge, 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 judge. No, 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 no. 
Okay. I got to take my kids to school. Sorry. Guess what? Parents across the country have to appear in court every single day, every day in this country. Ivanka Trump should be no different. And of course, so far, that's how the judge has seen it. Smacking down these stupid arguments. But what we're also seeing here is not just the foolishness of Ivanka, but the fact that her excuses just keep changing, which tells us she doesn't have an excuse. And that of course, I think is what's pissing off the judge. It's pissing off the appellate courts because they're like, which is it? Because originally you just said you had a scheduled conflict this Friday. And then after you got that delayed a little bit, then you're like, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to appeal the whole thing. And now you're like, oh, I wish I could, but now it's a school night. You keep changing your story, which tells us your story is not true. That's not going to work out to Ivanka's favor. I can trust, I, I, I can, I can tell you that. Trust me on it. But that's her story for today. And she's sticking to it for today until tomorrow when something else comes up and she uses that as an excuse. She is hiding something in my opinion. You don't go through all this trouble. You don't tell all these different stories to different people if you're not trying to hide something. And that is why Ivanka does not want to testify. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.